Welcome, everybody, once again to Prime Time with Hacksaw Jim Duggan and Sean Mooney. This is episode 13, and we are coming off a podcast that I think is, at least for me, is going to remain one of my favorites. It was on Legends House, and it was a topic that we'd wanted to feature for a long time on PTHNM for quite a while. And I'm really glad we got it in. So many great stories from behind the scenes of what went on for five weeks of shooting uh, that took place back in 2012 at Palm Springs. And the man that made that uh, podcast so great is my broadcast colleague, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Welcome oh, once again. Oh, hello, Moody. It's it's nice to be called a colleague. I like that uh, yeah. fancy Dan term, old Hacksaw the colleague. You got you have lots of uh, great titles. I think hey. you must like the one legend though. That's got to be one of your favorites. Well, yeah, that's a, just a nice way for folks to say old timer, you know. But uh, I joke, I say Flair and Hogan still call me kids. So long as they stick around, I'm all right. Yeah. Well, uh, you <laughs> know, Jake I'm says he's younger than me. Jake the Snake says he's younger, but. I want to see a birth certificate. Jake looks pretty rough. <laughs> That's a shot, slippery. Exactly. I'm wondering if uh, you you know you measure it by uh, you know uh, sky miles or uh, you know highway riding. I don't know which one uh, as far as uh, you're gonna uh, decide how the body like has aged. Getting a used car, you know, it's not too many years, but a lot of mileage. <laughs> Somebody's got a lot of years on him too. He's gonna come up to the pearly gates, you know, screaming, it was screeching. Yeah. Uh, I'll take a lot for granted. Say we're going to go to the pearly gates, brother. <laughs> Not Might be the other end. <laughs> yeah. That's, well, uh, we'll we'll wait and see. Uh, you're going to have to uh, let us know on that one. But I, I, I have tell Jake, well, welcome home. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. We've been waiting for you. Yeah. <laughs> Got all kinds of serpents here. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, as I was uh, saying, Jim, we we got all kinds of uh, uh, you know great responses uh, to the podcast at uh, with Legends House, and uh, and you were you were not kidding. There was so much to tell. I think you've left a lot uh, still out there, and we a lot of the comments were we want you know we want you guys to do another one of these. Uh, but I got one question here that uh, you know we we talked so much about uh, the. Uh, relationship that you formed with with Roddy before we get to our main event today. Um, And it's from Paul Diamond, uh, who's a listener of the show. And he wanted to know, you know, all the stuff that happened. He says, Hacksaw, what is your favorite moment that you had with Roddy uh, in the house? Is there one thing you could? Wow. Yeah. Hard to say. You know, I I tell you what I what I miss, though, is and I don't know. I don't think it ever came on air, but I'm sure they got a lot of tape of it. It's like I said, it was like summer camp, you know, it's a midnight, one o'clock in the morning, everybody else, you can hear snoring throughout the house. Me and yeah. Piper are in our own beds, giggling and laughing like it was summer camp. I mean, we talked about everything. We we found, we got all the world problems solved. We called the UN, try to give them our ideas. I mean, <laughs> I mean we sat up, we, we laid there. Yeah, are you kidding? Uh, uh, we sat there and they're laid in our bed and talked and uh, got to know each other. It was a, uh, yeah, that 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 was uh, kind of a, a, a fun time. Something that the uh, they didn't show on air. Like I said, there's so much that they didn't show. There's got to be at least two or three more shows. But I think they get upset because the old timers we get a little better reaction from the fans than some of the new kids, you know. Yeah, well, the, they just love that that whole era. They can't get yeah, it. Yeah, like, well, that's why we're here—the golden age, Mooney. 
But you know, you two, you guys were like a couple of kids at that. Uh, that, hey, that was that's a shot. Really reminded. <laughs> hey, well, I, I'm, I'm I'm talking about this tremendous youth you were displaying. <laughs> yes, uh, but it did seem it seemed like you guys were like a couple of kids at camp. I mean, it was uh, you, you guys had so much. I I, I kind of wonder, you know, was there a lost childhood found when you guys were? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there was just a lot of silly giggling, laughing. I mean, stuff that you think, you know, uh, uh, Roddy, Roddy Piper, you know, and, you know, I'm here to kick ass and chew bubble gum and I'm all out of bubble gum and hacksaw Jim Duggan, the two by four tough guy. And we're giggling away like a couple of school kids. I mean, uh, it was, uh, it was fun. And like I said, I missed the pipe. Okay. But, but some of the, and then I got a couple of the comments and I don't have the, the individual's name here, but more than one will asked about, you know, we had talked about there were so many hours that they, you know, shot. I mean, they basically captured your day from the time you were up till you went to sleep. Uh, and and they wanted, you know, during those during those times, was there uh, a lot of tension that at the be in the beginning, and was there a lot of downtime? Was it, you know, did it get to the point where you were, you know, just bored, or did they always have something going on? Yeah, you usually had something going on. They had, but of course, you did have downtime. There's a lot of guys, you know, playing cards. Played a lot of cards again back in, you know, that that, that generation of guys. We all we play, all played a lot of cards. Uh, there, like I said, there was no TV though, you know, so they forced interaction. And of course, they had a tennis court, and that was a big thing. Uh, Jimmy and Hillbilly and Howard. He wanted to lose weight. I think he lost like 10, 15 pounds that uh, that five weeks. He would run around the tennis court every day and. Uh, you know, they had bikes there for us. They had a nice gym set up. They had a great bar. <laughs> <laughs> with the, yeah, when they had, yeah, they had, had, a, they the had good a lot stuff, to the, do. The Grey Goose and then Bob's. <laughs> yeah, Bob's yeah. yeah, right, from Grey Goose to Bob's. <laughs> and then you mentioned, and, and one it tastes you, all the same. What the hell, it's vodka. Come on. After, after the third or fourth one, you're exactly right. Uh, but I was wondering, uh, and got another question, too. About you, you mentioned not being able to get out of there, and then uh, you were moving furniture into the pool, and there were there was security. Did they have you know uh, security outside the doors really to keep you guys oh, no, inside? That, that was no, I, I think that was just uh, they have security at a at a mansion like that all the time. I mean, just you know, because people would, I guess, I, I I don't think that was like there wasn't a guard to keep us in. No, that was more uh, a security guard for the facility. I think you know. Yeah. But how did they keep you in? I mean, why didn't you and Brody? Well, I mean, yeah, well, you know, they, you weren't supposed to, you know, you step over the red line, you turn to dust or something. I don't, Piper went over the wall, though. Piper yeah. made the escape, you know, he, he made a break for it. But, you know, you try to play by the rules. I mean, that first night we were there, they were like, you know, I have to get dinner. And, and me or Piper were like, well, can we call out and order? And they're like, no, you can't do that. And we took those bun cakes around and we met the neighbor and the one neighbor right. lady was cool as could be. And we're like, well, can we go over and get the neighbor lady to cook for us? And they're like, no, you can't do that either. You know, so, uh, uh, you know, were we you responsible to, for cooking though? I mean, I know they, I thought that was just part of the gimmick that no, they had. No, they, they, they cook. Yeah. And uh, I okay. tell you, like I said, some of the guys were great cooks. I mean, and, and Tony, even his bull dick, I know it was, you know, and his chitlins and all that, but some of his other food was pretty good. And uh, hillbilly was a good cook. Uh, Jimmy could make some bad uh, beans. <laughs> That's all Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Hart ate beans and baked potatoes and, of course, right. yeah, yeah. They they asked everybody was going to make a dinner over the five week period, and I said, "Well, hope you guys enjoy cereal. <laughs> That's my yeah. dinner. Are you kidding? I can't cook at all." 
Yeah. But anyway, uh, it really, I enjoyed that podcast so much. I went back and I listened to it again. We just, uh, Jim, you had here. Yeah. Well, (laughs) I love that. I'm telling you, that's going to remain one of my favorites. It really, I'm so glad that we got to do that one. Uh, much to discuss today, uh, topping the list. And, and, uh, you know, a lot of people heard about this last week. A lot of you saw the video, but, uh, you know, great news that Ric Flair's health is continuing to improve. Uh, so much uh, so that the, he uh, cut a promo. He did a video uh, uh, saying they're calling it the I'm not dead yet video uh, <laughs> that he put out proclaiming the nature boy is back up and running and, uh, you know, thanking all of his fans for their support and vowing to see them in the very, 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 very near future. Woo! You know, uh, great to see him in, in that condition after what uh, we had heard prior. Yeah, and, and of course everybody knows Rick's a fighter, and everybody in the pretty much world was pulling for the guy. And it, good to see him kick out. It sure is, and I like that. Uh, I'm not dead yet. Uh, is the interview the old Monty Python? Bring out your dead, but I'm not yeah. dead yet. <laughs> Mfers uh, was kind of the. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> they had some asterisks and stuff on the T-shirt, but uh, you got the message. You know what he was yeah. what he was conveying there. Right. Uh, I've also I've also received uh, several comments. Uh, we've talked about this for several weeks now. It is now out. The Unleashed Never Before Seen oh. matches, and uh, Jim, you're involved in one of those matches that's on this. Uh, uh, is it a WWE TV product? Yeah, yeah. Uh, fortunately, I was uh, lucky enough to uh, host it along with Charlie Caruso. Uh, one of their great hosts they have with the WWE, and uh, this is—it's really a unique DVD, uh, Jim. They, you know, there's no commentary on the matches; they're all house matches because that's you know they people are seeing. Oh wow, these that's the way different. Yeah, they were the way they were seen in the arenas, Whoa. and they really did. Uh, Victor Lorenzo, who's the uh, producer of that DVD, you know, I asked him, I, you know, how in the world did you find these matches? He says you would not believe the research we had to do because they wanted to make absolutely sure that these had never been seen anywhere else. So it's called Unleashed Unseen Matches. Oh. And they had to make sure that they'd never had appeared somewhere else on television. And uh, all these matches have never, uh, you know, they did their homework. And, and you know, there's eight and a half hours on oh, this, they, on these the, DVDs. There's three of them. Are uh, they in uh, black and white? Yeah. <laughs> well, you take, I got to get that in before you got me, Mooney. Uh, I knew that shot was coming. Well, wow. You know, that's a lot of, uh, you know, of course, in house shows, uh, that may be two matches, eight and a half hours. Grab a headlock. Yeah, right. The old right. <laughs> you know, there's a lot more than uh, there's. You can Gosh. get the list online out there. But uh, uh, one of the matches is uh, with you as well. And um, eight and a half hours. Good Lord. Who's that working with you, no, Sean? I, I I think it's the Yokozuna match. I uh, the, a, that was a rough day at the office, old Yoko. I'll yeah. tell you, him and Fuji. Yeah, but the reason I wanted to, to bring this up, and um, you know, I they sent me a, a pre-release copy of the uh, of the DVD, and I ne- I haven't opened it because I was going to save it. But you know, I you know I want to start giving stuff away on our podcast. Uh, Jim, I really I want to give uh, whatever we get the opportunity. So I've already contacted uh, the folks at WWE and I asked them, you know, we've got a lot of listeners and they, they, they still are talk the people that, you, that love this stuff. So send us some DVDs and I'm, I'm going to give them away. But uh, I'm I'm but I have the one I am holding it in my hands right now. And what I want to do is I want to give this this one away. And this and here, folks, here's how you can get it. Now, we've been talking about that we now have 
uh, the prime time with Hacksaw, Jim Duggan, and Sean Mooney tees that uh, we have designed along with ProWrestlingTees.com. And, uh, you know, I love the tees. I, I, I know you like them, except uh, there's maybe an exception for you, Jim, and I'm going to get to that. But uh, we've got, you know, the, the Sean Mooney Who tee, which uh, is absolutely my personal favorite. Uh, waiting for the right person to come along and get that one. Uh, there's also, uh, was that a shot that was tee? Dope. <laughs> With, well, I did my own shot there, didn't I? That was a, yeah, that was a self-inflicted <laughs> shot. Pretty good, though, Mooney. I like that one. Yeah. Uh, I got a million of them. You will hear them over and over again. But uh, there, we do have a T-shirt. Was that a shot? As you know, Jim has uh, coined that on this show here. And uh, he's got his handsome mug on there uh, proclaiming that. Uh, oh, that was, was that a, a shot, shot right there, too, Mooney. <laughs> <laughs> and then ding, 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 which I, I, I'm going to sell you on that. I'm, I'm going to keep yeah. working on it. Ding, ding, ding. It's, uh, it's like you know, a the call for was, dinner. Oh, but that's what Gorilla used to say <laughs> to get the matches going. I know. I know. And then, uh, and the listener's favorite, the Ho Nation tee, which is you know, awesome. I, I saw that shirt. It was different. I thought I was going to have red pumps and fishnets on it. But no, I like the Ho Nation with the outline of America. Yeah, that looks good. Jim, we want the, uh, the fishnets and pumps. To, that, that T-shirt has to be just right. So it's uh, going on through many, many different designs. I think we right sell now. a lot of them, Mooney, in the right and, outfit. And, and, and we get the perfect design. That one's coming out. And then, of course, we've got the, the moon uh, of Mooney. That could be a good one. Oh, write that one down. Uh, but the uh, and, and the official primetime with Hacksaw, Jim Duggan, and Sean Mooney podcast logo, T. Okay? But anyway, Okay, so here's what I'm going to do, okay? Uh, go to ProWrestlingTees.com, search Primetime with Hacksaw Jim Duggan and Sean Mooney, and starting right now, starting today, the 25th tee that is purchased, okay? And, and there's a list that comes out of these as these are purchased. Uh, and you can choose any one of the five that are available. The person who gets the who uh, buys the 25th uh, tee is going to get this personal copy, my uh, Unleashed, the only one I have. If they don't send me more copies, that's it. <laughs> but you're, I'm going to get, you're going to get this one, and I, I will sign it, and I will send it directly to you. So not only you get a great T-shirt, uh, but you're also going to get this uh, unleashed, never before seen matches, 1985 to 1996 um, DVD set. And like I said, I will sign it, and I will send it right to your house. Okay, there you go. Don't threaten them. <laughs> hello? You know, that, that, that's pretty, that, yeah. oh, hello are they still there jim <laughs> they, that's that's pretty good wwe took your call you know i go up there uh, jim duggan hello no hello? They, took my, they took my text jim i not the call <laughs> How, <laughs> i look to try to get a hold of howard up there he still remembers me <laughs> maybe maybe all right and I, i'm asking so much today but i also have a favorite to ask of our listeners uh, I have, you know, my Twitter, you have, what, 100 and, I don't know, 130, 40,000 uh, uh, Twitter followers, okay? I have at Sean Mooney, which is an account I basically started not too long ago. And it, it's my Twitter account, at Sean Mooney, okay? And I haven't had it for very long. And I have tried to get Twitter to verify my account. And I went through the whole process, uh, you know, I got on uh, line and did the whole thing and did whatever I had to do. And it's been weeks now. Nothing. Not a not a check. I had no white check next to my name. Well, did you tell them Sean who? Yeah, maybe that's that, that might be the problem. <laughs> they said <laughs> they Sean, Sean. who? Uh, maybe the problem <laughs> Who's on first? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, 
people keep contacting me and they say, we don't know if it's you, so we're not following. And I'm like, it is me. I, and people, uh, part of this I'm asking as a favor, tell people, yeah, that's my Twitter account. It's just not verified. But also, if you are someone who works with Twitter, know somebody who works at Twitter, or you know how to do it, DM me and tell me what I need to do. Because this is becoming, every week, I'm hearing from people say, you know, you get a lot more followers if you would get verified. So, you know, Sean, you should, you should check with WWE folks up there. I bet uh, like like Howard or somebody like that could help you with that. Well, if, okay. if, if it's really you, I'm not sure if it's really you I'm talking to, Mooney. <laughs> I don't know who the hell it's going to be. Who the hell is this? But that's <laughs> another thing I'm here. asking everybody out there, though. If you, if you can help me out here, because I, the more followers I could get to that account, the more we can spread the word and uh, – We've happened to think this is one of the best podcasts out there. I know there's a, a few others that are great, uh, but we also think ours is a, is a, a great podcast. Well, and we, and we so. want. I would hate to think ours is the shit. <laughs> the what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah okay. we, we'd hope we'd like our show, man. Okay. And any other yeah, business that some. you wanted to take care of? I took care of all mine. Uh, but uh, do you have any before we get to well, the main event? Uh, well, you're coming up, yes, I'm going to be in uh, Manchester, New Hampshire uh, this coming weekend for the Comic-Con up there. So if you're up that way, another Comic-Con. I have a bunch coming all through the uh, all through October, and uh, they're a lot of fun, man. Awesome. And, you know, uh, another great sign, Jim, uh, that uh, we are, the whole nation is growing is that we've got some sponsor interest. So uh, I don't want to, uh, you know, uh, but that means that, People are really starting to listen. So we hope we'll have uh, more news on that coming up. But in the meantime, uh, let's get to it. Checks um, in the mail. <laughs> it is? Because <laughs> I keep looking every day. There's nothing in there, Jim. Yeah, yeah. Nothing. Wait, you, you've been in the wrestling business? and <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And I, right. uh, and I keep still looking. Look, yeah. right. I'm still optimistic. <laughs> yeah. Naive young guy, I'll tell you. Whatever happened to Mooney yeah. who? Hey, you know, Jim, I, I'm not so I'm not so young anymore. You know, yeah, I know, I know that that was a curveball shot. <laughs> I'm running out of time to become a legend. It hasn't happened yet. I, I'm keep waiting for them, but uh, anyway. Well, they don't so, have a whole legend deal for uh, announcers and the broadcasters, do they? That should. No, that, of course they do. Gene, who's Gene Okerlund? Gene Okerlund is, you know, there's Gene Okerlund. Well, no, no, but they got them in the regular hall. You know, that wouldn't be a bad idea to have just like an announcers hall of fame. Yeah. Well, I, I think that that definitely should be brought up because uh, <laughs> I'll vote for you. I'll try that call again. Sean who? Yeah. Sean who? Sean Mooney who? Okay. Uh, but this is what, what, what uh, where I got the idea for uh, this, the program this week. We got a, uh, a, a Twitter a question from uh, Kevin uh, Cernier and um, Cernier Fit is his, uh, at Cernier Fit is his Twitter handle. And he uh, said, you know, official Hacksaw, referring to Hacksaw Jim Duggan, was on the cusp of a big push a few times, but never uh, was given a title shot. Uh, he, you know, he mentions the, the Rumble winner and, um, you know, the, the Slammies and everything like that. But we've talked about this before, Jim. And, uh, yeah, thanks for bringing it up again, Mooney. <laughs> Over and over. What's yeah, with yeah. this movie? But you know, we've talked. We are going to talk about the incident, the Sheik incident, and we are counting down. I'm not that. sure what happened there. Yeah. Well, that's why we're <laughs> saving because I'm going to bring all, all those memories back. But you have oh, talked geez. about that 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 incident uh, did. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, think it so, did have an impact on your career. 
a huge uh, story in wrestling. I mean, so many. Tommy Dreamer came up to me and he actually said, Doug, and he says, you ruined wrestling for me. I'm like, thanks, Tommy. That makes me feel good, you know, because he was a kid watching a show back then. And, of course, it, uh, it was more breaking the kayfabe than there was the arrest, I think. Yeah, yeah I think that uh, a number of the boys at the time were real pleased with what, what happened. But uh, we'll, no. we're going to get into that. And uh, and as I said, we are counting down to that show, uh, hoping to have it in, in about three weeks. And we are going to have a lot of stuff going on with that. Hopefully, we'll have the DVDs uh, in hand. We'll be giving out uh, giving out those. And um, but uh, this really got me thinking about this because uh, there are some guys that, for whatever reason, and Jim, you could say what you uh, will about uh, your career with the WWF and and how it may have gone differently. But it is incredible. Real, uh, you may be one of the most tenured superstars in the WWF. Uh, you were there for, uh, from 1987 to 1993, and then you had yeah. your WCW break. But then you were with them from uh, you know 2005 to 2009, uh, mm-hmm. and then also 2011 to 2012. And of course, you are uh, a legend, and you come back repeatedly now, and and you appearing in Legends House. So obviously, you had a tremendous career. Uh, with the WWF, WWE. But what really got me thinking about some of these huge stars of that era uh, that, you know, we're talking the 80s and 90s uh, for other promotions. And we know the, the biggest was WCW. But for one reason or another, they never became huge superstars. They never really got over, and you know, big time and, and elevated their careers to even the level they were at with the WWF. And I think there's a lot of different reasons that I hope that we're going to get into today uh, for each, why that happened. Because um, I really hope this ignites a debate with our listeners, because I know everybody has an opinion on some of these people. They may disagree with what we have to say and think that these guys did reach certain levels that we don't think they did. So I, I really want to hear from you folks out there, uh, you know, through our Twitter accounts, you know, at Official Hacksaw, uh, at Sean Mooney, who, yes, that's my Twitter account. Uh, at uh, primetime MLW, or you can email us, you know, at uh, primetime at MLW.com. But I, I really, I've, you know, there's so many times I've talked with people about this and, and they really get, you know, uh, into it uh, about why some of these guys went over and why they didn't. And I, I think a great place to start, Jim, is with Dusty Rhodes, Virgil Riley Runnels Jr., who uh, is, you know, certainly one of the biggest uh, uh, wrestling legends of all time, right? Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and and certainly his career with, you know, these other uh, operations, uh, especially the, the WCW. Um, you worked with him. You knew him. Uh, how big was he in wrestling uh, before, before he got to the WWF? And that was in, you know, 1989. Right, especially in the southeast, you know, Georgia yeah. Championship Wrestling, WTBS, the uh, you know that show, uh, uh, world class. You know, Dusty Rhodes was the man. Him and Flair were the the best there was, and I think that just highlights the animosity, the the, the jealousy between the two companies, where you know Vince finally put those guys where they came up, and they were against him for so long. You know, a lot of folks think that he held that against him when they finally came up, you know, making, you know, uh, DiBiase with Virgil 
that whole thing was because of uh, Dusty. You know, his real name is Virgil, Virgil obviously, yeah. and, Virgil, and that was Tyler kind of Rubble. a shot. That was a shot at uh, at Dusty making, uh, you know, Teddy's uh, guy uh, Virgil, and, uh, and then of course bringing him up and putting him in uh, big yellow polka dots. Uh, you know, I'm sure that wasn't Dusty's idea, but then again, there's a guy who took what he was given and made it work. Uh, uh, one man game, uh, one man gang, Akeem, you know, somebody like that who, okay, he got a bunch of big yellow polka dots on it, but he's going to make it work. And, uh, you know, he never, ex- ex- uh, gained the success that he had in the Southeast, but he was, uh, definitely had a huge run up there even after he was out of the ring. Yeah, and just to give you some idea, and I know a lot of you out there already know this, but some may not know just how accomplished Dusty was. I mean, he was a three-time NWA World Heavyweight Champion. He was also the WCW United States Heavyweight Champion and a multi-time World Television, World Tag Team. And then, of course, they had that World Six-Man Tag Team title down there that he was one of the champions. Uh, he was and he was instrumental backstage also. Oh, yeah, and a great booker and a, just so knowledgeable in this business. You know, that, and that's one of the, excuse me, Sean, but yeah. uh, th- that's one of the big critiques of the WWE nowadays is that, you know, they got Hollywood people writing the storyline. You got guys that, that they're, are writing a TV show out in Hollywood and are now writing the WWE shows where you got guys back then like uh, Dusty, like Terry Taylor, people mm-hmm. that are real students of the business that uh, they don't have them, but hard to argue with success. Yeah, well, and, uh, you think Vince Russo was kind of the, ah! no, but I'm saying who was kind of the, I don't know, if you look at the people brought in who kind of made it Hollywood. And I know he was a very knowledgeable wrestling person, but not really from the business like that. Well, that and, was the, the big deal where they, you know, the big thing was Vincent uh, Russo down to WCW to put him out of business. That was the big story. The company took such a huge nosedive when he was there. And I know I said it before, but I'll say again, why would Dixie Carter give a guy who flushed WCW down the toilet with all the assets they have, why would you give him control of your own company? I wonder why they're not in business. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, that's uh, there's been several podcasts on that subject. Nope. Um, well, I, don't. I don't know if he should have been given the power yet, but I, th- I think there were things that it, that he brought that that really kind of opened up the business to doing a lot of different things uh i'll I'll kind of leave it at that because that's not the discussion of today but um getting back to dusty and we're off track a little bit where there was yeah it's a train yeah um but really i mean he just i look at the you know his credentials that a lot of the stuff i wasn't even aware of i mean he's one of six men who was inducted into the wwe the wcw professional wrestling and the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Halls of Fame. There's only six men that have that are included in that group. That yeah. that means you are truly a legend in in the business. Yeah, that's, now that's a term they drop pretty loosely. A legend, you know, this yeah. guy's a legend. That guy's a legend. And guy's out of the business two years. He's a legend. Yeah. I mean, you talk about Flair, uh, Dusty, Hogan, Macho legends. Yeah, true legends. Yeah, and. Uh, you know, I was there when, when Dusty arrived in uh, 89, and he was there through 1991, and you talked about the, the polka dots. And there's, you know, the, the discussion, like, like you mentioned, that uh, did Vince have something out for these guys? Was it when he got these guys up, it was kind of like, okay, now it's payback. Um, 
the, you know, and, and there, there's a saying today in the WWE, uh, Jim, that they call polka dots over. And uh, what that refers to is that, like you said, uh, you know, like a one man gang, that no matter what they give you, uh, if you're good, then your polka dots over. That means no matter what they give you, you're going to make it work. And right. Dusty Rhodes was come on. Look at that. I mean, really, if somebody would have just expired, this is what we're going to do with Dusty Rhodes. Okay? And a big, heavy set guy, too, you know? Oh, yeah. I didn't have the, you know, not, certainly no, not the physique, uh, you know, the, his uh, his lisp, his, the way he looked, uh, you know. And and we're going to put him in as uh, craziest outfit we can think of, gigantic yeah. yellow polka dots. <laughs> with and the they gave him, who was his manager? The, uh, Sapphire. The, the, Sapphire. Sapphire. Yeah, the common man, and she was the common woman. Now you look, yeah. look at the divas. Even back then, they had you know they would have. Now, that was a shot, Mooney. Well, but, <laughs> but they had even you back then. <laughs> but, but well, comparing to what the I divas know, I, yeah. like today, you know exactly what I'm saying. They could have given him uh, somebody who. Was, oh my god! They, that's uh, I'm sorry, Sapphire. I know now, she's listening, and but but you know what I'm saying, Jim. Yeah. Uh, that. And that they they're gonna that's who they're gonna put him with, and by God, I and I saw it happen. I was I was there and saw it happen. He yeah. was over. That was that worked, and you it put was him on stage with ten other superstars, and people are going to look at Dusty. Just the mannerisms. Just the, he just draws the camera. He just draws people's attention, and uh, you know, and yellow polka dots. He he drew it even more. I guess. Well, and I think that what worked for him before worked there, and I but, don't, I, I don't. But then know again, you're not going to have a guy wearing ye yellow polka dots be your world championship, uh, your marquee player for very long, anyway. Yeah, but um, I think it, what it was is that identity that people identified with him that that the common man, you know, they, they did. And I remember, you know, they'd be dancing with people. Well, that's and, the way Dusty, you know, and that's, and that's the way the man was, you know, he was a congenial guy. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. Hey, you know, he was a fun guy. And I think that came across, he was genuine. And I know we're going to talk about some other guys later on that, you know, didn't make it. And I think that was a big problem. They weren't genuine. They were trying to put on airs and be something they weren't. You know, Dusty was Dusty, the same way he was on camera as he was Friday night out at the restaurant. He was, yeah. you know, the American well, dream. Looked him, they, people looked at him and they, they you know, he wasn't this he guy. Was that was, he looked, yeah, you, yeah, he looked like me. You know what yeah. I mean? Like the the guy in the, the stands going, you know, that guy yeah. knows what it's like. They believe that he knows what it's like to work hard. Yeah, the, and, Dusty's one of those guys where you hear a lot of people say, I saw so-and-so in the airport because I, I was afraid to go up and say anything. You know, Dusty, if they, people see him at the airport, they're like, hey, Dusty, how you doing? I mean, it was very approachable. Well, that's like the guy you want to have a beer with. And uh, yeah, he would yeah. have a you know, right? He'd have a few. Of course, which wrestler wouldn't back then, you know? Yeah. sure wasn't a, a seminary, that's for sure. <laughs> and maybe to... Uh, Vince looks back and goes, yeah, that's exactly what I knew was going to happen. <laughs> but, well, you know, I, I, I don't maybe. think, uh, I, who, who knows? Yeah. Who would have questioned what Vince, you know, that, that'd be the deal. You go in and talk to Vince it'd be coming out, like talking to Obi-Wan Kenobi. These are not the droid droids you were looking for. You know, yeah. you'd come out and you'd be like, what do you say? I don't know. Everything is good though. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Everything is fine. You go in your son of a Roger. Come on. I'm like, I'm not sure what happened, but I think. Yeah. All right, Vince. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we'll do that barbecue someday. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, I'm good. Uh, but you would, if somebody told you that gimmick, that, that, that was the setup of that, would you ever imagine that be anything but a mid card ever? No, no. And yet, and yet he had a big, uh, you know, run Oof. with Randy, uh, macho King, Randy Savage. And, and when, uh, with sensational Sherry and they turned that whole thing with, you know, the, uh, they made a rivalry with Sapphire and, and that, you know, it, it really, it worked and it was it just amazing to see that. And, uh, like they say, you know, well, you know, who, uh, who can ever figure out what's going to work? You know, I, I always use Daniel Bryan as an example. You know, when I first met that kid, I'm like, there's not a chance in hell this guy's going to make it. He's too small. I mean, he just doesn't have, you know, boom, eating crow hacksaw. I mean, the guy, you know, had the work ethic, the desire, and uh, he made it. So, you know, that's why when kids say, you know, Hey, you know, can you give me some advice? I said, you know, chase your dreams. Cause there's no telling. Who's going to make it? Right gimmick, right time, right spot. Boom, you're in. Yeah, well, there's, and that's that's another list with you know, uh, you know, Zach Ryder and uh, you know all these people that uh, just they couldn't stop them. <laughs> they just uh, uh, you know people wanted to see them. Right, yep. but uh, I think and that's other people that's they push too there. hard, <clears throat> Roman. Yeah, well, that, there's a lot. You know, there is talk about that too. Is is he going to end up uh, uh, like you know? A couple of others we may mention here, but, um, you know, we shall see. But I thought that was a great place to start with Dusty because I don't know um, if anyone. And I think uh, – and, and let me ask you this question, Jim. Could he have been even bigger if he wasn't, uh, you know, put in that situation? Because, you know, when he first came in, they tried this common man thing and they had him, you know, they did all these vignettes where they had him as uh, – yeah. Right. They had him, you know, do all these different things as, you know, he's the son of a plumber and they had him do these vignettes, uh, you know, uh, butcher's apprentice, you know, and he was the, uh, behind the counter. He was a gas station attendant, pizza delivery man. And that that just didn't really seem to work. So I re- I wonder. And, and I don't know, maybe it's uh, not fair to say he didn't reach great heights in the WWF. I just the question here is, could he be, have been even bigger? If uh, he wasn't restrained or whatever you might think uh, Vince's uh, idea was to hold him down, humiliate him. Some people even thought it was to do that. Um, no, could, I think he's could he still, have been I, even bigger? Let's say he came in and they really wanted to uh, push him. Yeah, you know, I, th- I think he had a, he had a great run, and I think you know that that character, even if it wasn't uh, it was the American Dream or, or it was the Common Man, I don't think that was the type of run you would have for your marquee world champion type guy. I could see him, you know, having some world championship, t- but that you know, a lot of folks down the, south. Yeah, a lot of folks got the wrong idea about success in wrestling. You know, they're like, how many matches have you won? How many championship belts you had? Yeah, it yeah. doesn't make nothing to do with it. Right. It's how much Jake money you saved, how much have you put away, how well are you taking care of your family. That's how you judge success in wrestling. You know, I, I never was world champion. I was never tag team champion. I was never intercontinental champion. I was lucky to win a match, but I had a successful career in this business. A lot of folks, you know, yeah, everybody used to bust animals' uh, chops. You know, what's your what's your win loss record? What? It's <laughs> Win loss record? Are you kidding? This is wrestling, brother. Yeah, 
and I know to judge success. Yeah, and and uh, I, you know I know uh, a couple of people who are very close to, to Dusty, and um, I know that uh, you know that he, they had several conversations with him, and I know that he was really proud of what he did, uh, was able to do in the WWF, and uh, I never really heard, and maybe it was different because I. I wasn't, I wasn't close to him, you know, um, I, I worked with him several times, but I don't ever remember hearing him being bitter about Vince, not, you know, uh, doing something to hold him down in that. I think he was very proud of what he did. He was a glass half full guy. He's not going to be out there bad mouthing. you know, there's good things and bad things happen. If you want to dwell on the bad things that, you know, that's going to be it. But, you know, Dusty, I I could almost see because towards the end, he was down there with NXT down at the performance center. He was just, you know, I guess, you know, like they did the gorilla position up there at the TV show. I could see him doing like a Dusty's position down at uh, the performance center. Well, and I'll tell like you, a dusty uh, room instead of a green room or something. Yeah, they, they, well, they should do something to remember Dusty, I think. Yeah, and one of my uh, good friends at the the WWE, Chris Chambers, um, went down there to. You got a good friend? <laughs> I said one good friend. <laughs> but he was. He I'm crossing was put, Chris's name off right now. Well, that's it. He's a good man to know. <laughs> Trust me on that one, Jim. Uh, but um, he was he was sent down there. He he uh, helped put all that that performance center together when they had I, what the, I think they called it uh, uh, Florida Championship Wrestling. It was uh, over in FCW. Tampa for a while. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, and and that's where it was. was. Very, yeah, Steve Kern was really instrumental in getting it up and going. And yeah. Steve, it was too t- time consuming for Steve, and it moved over to Orlando. But now and it's it's, it's an NFL type facility. I mean, granite countertops. Yeah. I mean, state of the art facility. But that that uh, facility in Tampa, I I visited a couple of times when I was down there. It was a there. shed with tin roof. Yeah, well, it was pre- <laughs> compared to full sale. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. But um, Chris and Dusty uh, were a huge part of that, and they, and they did the you know the whole combination of. You know, it wasn't just learning uh, how to perform in the ring uh, with, you know, uh, the moves and everything. But it was there was uh, a gigantic part of it was the performing arts of it. Uh, they actually had like drama classes that, uh, you know, Dusty uh, coached these guys on. Yeah, and it was really cool. It was a great it was a great environment. I'd love to talk to some of these guys, get them together who were some of the early because, uh, you know, Seamus was down there then. And I, I saw him down there and, uh, you know knew that he was destined for great things. But the point of it is that, yeah. you know, Dusty really, uh, just there was so many talented sides to that guy. And I, I know that he loved that work down there. They loved it. Um, then, you know, then it blew yeah, up. He, he loved the business. That was, you know, that was Dusty's life. Dusty yeah. lived, you know, 24-7 in Dusty's life. I mean, that was his family. That was everything to him was wrestling. I mean, some guys, you know, it, it's a jo- I love wrestling. It's a job to me. But, you know, when I'm off duty, I don't touch my cell phone when I'm at home. I mean, I'm, I'm away from it. Uh, but Dusty, he, he thrived on it. And uh, that was really the only time that I uh, really got to talk to him when I was down there for those visits. And because, like, like when he was up for the WWF, there was so much going on and those guys were on the road. But I know that, uh, you know, he became very close to, to Chris, and um, he just was just blown away by it. And he got to know him, you know, a lot better. But that the 
what that guy contributed to the business. Anyway, once again, we got off track here, but that, that I think that that's a, a great side of it and showing, you know, what, what Dusty was able to accomplish in the WWF. I, I believe that that had to be one of his proudest accomplishments. Uh, I think he could have even done more, but that's why he, we're talking about him here today. Uh, now, another one that I know you're going to have a lot to say about as we move on here, because you've mentioned him several times and you saw firsthand the kind of impact that he had uh, down south was Junkyard Dog, <laughs> Sylvester Ritter. Uh, JYD, man. JYD. And uh, you you talked about the, the impact that, that he had in, in Mid-South. Give us... Uh, some idea of, of how big JYD was down south. Well, well, I mean, when I first came in down there, the Freebirds, uh, Gordy, uh, Michael Hayes, and Buddy Roberts, they were going to put Nair in Junkyard Dog's hair to take his hair off, but instead they got it in his eyes and blinded him. Dog right. came on TV with his blind. I can't see. I just had my baby. I can't. People were oh, dying. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, they yeah. had the Freebirds had so much heat. And then I came in down there and I'm working with Dog. And, you know, down in New Orleans, they got that who dat chant, you know, like who dat going to beat those Saints. But right. when it was Dog, it was who dat, who dat, who dat going to beat the Dog, who that, boom, boom, boom. He said that they back raised in, the roof, right? When he was. Oh, man. You're back in this downtown auditorium in downtown New Orleans. That building is just shaking, you know? Okay. And it's, a, it's kind of intimidating. And then I come out, and the people hate me. I mean, they're throwing stuff in the ring. I mean, heavy stuff, batteries, chairs. <laughs> I mean, you know, in cups and stuff, too, but there's some heavy stuff. And I'm beating the devil out of JYD. I'm working them over, and I can see security. Some guys trying to get over the barricade. Security's got them. And I'm, dog's like, get some more heat on me, Hacksaw. Get some more heat. I'm like, BS, dog. I want to leave. Uh, yeah, I want to live Make tonight. your comeback, brother. <laughs> <laughs> and come back strong. Really kick my ass. <laughs> yeah. Because that's like, the old deal. Back in the day, if a riot started, if you had trouble with the people, let the babyface make the comeback because the fans, in, in theory, will step back to watch the babyface beat the hell out of the guy. Where if the guy is beating the babyface up, the fans will try to help the babyface. Wow! And, and you, you mentioned that uh, that feud, and oh my God, yeah, that was where he he couldn't he was he was blinded and he couldn't see his newborn baby. And, and those didn't they need uh, escorts in and out of the arena? That's where they. I think I told the story where they ambushed him one time, and uh, you know the birds came out to the. They, you know they had like a Scooby Doo van. Terry Gordy drove it around yeah. everywhere. God bug yeah. one of my best friends, Big Gordy. God bless him. Anyway, so they they all get in the van. This kid comes around the corner, throws a rock, boom, breaks the windshield of the van. Big Gordy Hayes and Buddy jump out. And they take off after the kid. They go around the corner. 1,001, 1,002, here they come back around the corner. There's about 50 people. It was an ambush. <laughs> wow. <laughs> they set them up. It was an ambush. Yeah, you'd have, you'd have police escorts, uh, you know, because you wouldn't bring your own car to the arena because they'd rock. I used to ride with a little referee, God bless him, Ricky Farrar. He was a sour little man. Uh, I mean, I'd be like, how about the Pope, Rippy, Ricky? Oh, that stinking Pope. He didn't like anybody, yeah. you know. Cheap so, bastard, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so That's I'd be bad. driving We'd be driving to the arena. I'd roll the window down. I said, hey, none of you little bastards better throw rocks at this car. <laughs> bing, bing, bing. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shut like the Pope. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, even to get where the taxi cabs wouldn't uh, wouldn't bring it down, the the birds down, the birds would drive uh, to the police station and get in a police car and drive to the arena. They had uh, 
you know, that was before it was sports entertainment, man. That, you know, if you, when you hated somebody, it was just getting back and forth to the ring. It was dangerous. Yeah. And, and he was the top guy. He was right? I mean, he was they it. He loved the Mississippi, yeah. Louisiana, Arkansas. I had the lady pulled the lady pulled a gun on me in little rock, Arkansas, Barton Coliseum. I beat junkyard dog up. We had a big match. Dog got a little juice. He, he was worse than me in getting the juice, but anyway, he got some color. I go back to the dressing room, you know, and all of a sudden this little lady comes in. She goes, and I jump up. I'm stowering over her. You know, I, got, I said, get out of here, woman. Get out of here. She goes, I got something for you, boy. She's <laughs> she digging in her purse. She pulls out a little pistol. Like, She's got a gun. <laughs> and I bet it was loaded. Oh, my God. So, yeah, now everybody's <laughs> struggling with a gun, you know. Nowadays, I would have squeezed off a round or two, making it a better yeah. story. But, you know, back yeah. then, they got the gun away from her. Of course, they, they prosecuted her and everything. But, uh, yeah, wow. it had, had heat back in it. And they... and. JYD. That's why when we we did the gorilla suit, me and DiBiase and beat Dog in a loser leave town. He came back under the mask as Stagger Lee. Stagger Lee, we, that's right. Yeah. We could never unmask him to prove it was Junkyard Dog, even though obviously you know that physique was Dog. Yeah, and 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 it was uh, amazing that when the suspension or the, he could, was allowed to return, that Stagger Lee disappeared and. There was JYD. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. But that went on for definitely afraid of snakes too, dog. And he was the top dog for a long time, right down there. I mean, I was just trying to give people some idea just how big a star he was. Oh, we do Superdome shows. I mean, he was the main event at the dome. He was he was strong. How many? How many would they? How many would that place? Forty sixty thousand, I think. Yeah. You yeah. know, another one bites the dust. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. He had the chain, you know, the dog chain, the dog collar. Yeah. Yeah, dog was good, man. The howl. Yeah, and he had and some that, great That was, music. yeah, because when dog left and went up to WW, that opened up the door for me, and I moved into the top babyface spot down there at Mid-South. So it, uh, it worked out good for me. JY went up to New York. Now, do you know if him making that move, and I don't know how close you were to him personally, but was he, I, I don't know what they promised him, or did he expect that now I go to the next level? It's, I mean, as far as that superstardom. Well, I think that was a big shock because I know, you know, he was the franchise down there. He was the, he was the man in uh, Mid-South UWF. And for him to leave, I don't know, you know, what the, what the deal was, you know, cause I called Vince. But Vince may have called Dog because that's when he was t- picking up the top guys. Yeah. So, uh yeah, whatever it was, it was a great move to get JY to go up there because not only did it bring top talent to himself, but he deprived Mid South of their top guy. Yeah, and they had some big names down there: Ernie Ladd and DiBiase, Kamala, King Kong Bundy. Yeah, eighty to ninety percent of the WWE Hall of Fame guys came through Mid South. Yeah, that's incredible. So he leaves Mid South. This was nineteen eighty four, the summer of nineteen eighty four. Uh, Ritter or JYD uh, leaves the Mid-South for the WWF. And were you shocked, Jim? I mean, he really, uh, he had, you know, some big time matches, but he really was basically a mid-card superstar. Yeah. Yeah. I was surprised. I really was. And why? And and so I really wanted to get your take because you saw firsthand how that guy could work a crowd. I just can't believe i mean maybe i'm wrong but it was the people it was the, the, the southerners that that uh, i mean you know you got it or you don't i think you know how to sell like dusty 
Right. And it was just uh, amazing to, to look back because I certainly didn't know at the time uh, the kind of marquee that that guy came with, what the kind of star well, he was down well, south. You know, Dog, dog was a good guy, but there towards the end, the man, you know, when he got up there, that's when the drugs were starting to run pretty rampant up in the WW2, and and Dog got caught up in that lifestyle a little bit too, you know. Yeah, you think that that hurt him? Yeah, it didn't <laughs> help. We knew a lot of guys. No, sure. but we knew a lot of guys that did it, and it, it they went well, no, yeah, but got you, it never that, made a difference. And the, and the company knew the, who was doing the big blow and all that too, so they're not gonna, you know. Uh, put their marquee. Uh, of course, I don't know. It's hard to say because Sheikski was in a lot of stuff, and he was, mm. you know, blown out of his mind most of the time. Yeah. But uh, yeah, who who know? You know, it, there's a big theory that unless Vince creates you and brings you up, and you know, you you never never be the top top guy for him. Like if you come in from another territory, I don't know if there's any. You'd you'd know better, you know, statistically than I would on that. Mm-hmm. Well. Uh, uh... But at the same time, there is the the X factor of, uh, and they can certainly squash you and, and hold you down. But in some cases, you know, there's not, they can't do something about it because that no, well, guy just, it, it, you know, Jake is one of those people, uh, not that they didn't, they tried to do that. But, you know, it's like when he came in and they wanted to, uh, you know, get this feud going with, with Hulk and Jake was over big time. They couldn't do it. Because of the what, the what he could do in the ring, as far as that that the connection right. to the audience. Yeah, true. Yeah, and, and I just wonder with you know, uh, this is another debate, and I'd love to hear from people. I'm hoping uh, next week I'm going to have a ton of stuff to talk about, just because getting the take of what other people thought about this. Why didn't JYD? Why didn't he rise to that level in the WWF? Because there's there he was certainly capable of it. He proved that. For years he, down he in mid-south, draw big houses. Yeah, he sure could. He could draw big houses. Yeah, I mean, sixty thousand and 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 you know, and they loved him. Yeah, it's just it's just amazing. But um, again, you know, what does it take to make it? It's no set formula. It's right place, right time, right gimmick. Yeah, well, uh, that ran through nineteen eighty eight, and it just never really happened. He was that mid card guy. He went down to uh, the WCW, and uh, he ended up in a, maybe at the time, Jim, you can tell me better, uh, the talent pool or whatever, but he did very well down there. I mean, he was a main event guy and, uh, became, yeah. uh, you know, feud with Ric Flair down there for the world heavyweight championship. Yeah. Um, he had a good, yeah. So he, it wasn't though, like he was done. I mean, he went down there and no, uh, and so many folks, well. yeah, they you know, they say, what happened? He's off to WWE. What happened to him? Is he dead? You know, Flair's deal. I'm not dead yet. I mean, if you're out of sight, out of mind, but yeah, dog made the move as so many of us did down to WCW and had a, you know, a great career. Cause that's back, you know, before then you didn't have uh, no cut contracts. That was the big lure of WCW. So a lot of guys were glad to make the move down there. Yeah. Well, folks, I really love to hear from you. I, I, because I don't think we've really come up with an explanation for it other than was it the Vince uh, factor they didn't give him that uh, push that he needed? Or was it just, for whatever reason, JYD didn't, uh, didn't connect with that, uh, with, that, with that stage? Be interesting to see what the, uh, the fans think, the folks yeah. think about that. Yeah, because I, 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 I thought Dog had all the, the uh, raw talent. Uh, you know, he had good mic skills. But, you know, and like I said, they kept him strong, but they never put the big gas to him. Yeah, they didn't. And I, and I saw it firsthand. And uh, I have 
a feeling that that uh, these comments are not going to be handled with Twitter comments, uh, Jim. So, folks, uh, you can email us um, at primetime at mlw.com. Primetime at mlw.com. Chime in on, on any one of these or all of them, whatever you'd like to do. But we'd really love to hear from you and, and get your take. Because I know many of you out there know all uh, you knowledge. You know, Jim, you meet these people every day and they we don't even compare <laughs> some of the information they throw at you that you're like, wow, knowledgeable how? fans. Yeah. Yeah, uh, like, you know, some are there any, I don't know in sport or... if there, I don't know in sport in sports, if there are any other fans who uh, who have who know more about their passion. Then, I don't know. You get some yep. baseball guys. He batted 228 in 1987. You know, I'm like, what? I don't know. I'll tell you some of the. Yeah. Uh, so thank goodness that there's those kind of fans. Everybody enjoys something. Some folks enjoy uh, the NFL, even though their ratings are dropping. Some people enjoy wrestling. Thank goodness. Everybody enjoys something. Yeah, they sure do. But uh, I don't think I've ever met more passionate fans than uh, than wrestling. Fans. I agree with you. Yes. Not being totally, uh, yeah. you know shoot here and it's the truth and i and i you know i've done a lot of sport i've covered a lot of sports in my career i uh you know mlb and, and the nba and uh uh never never loyal uh, fans incredible and and yeah loyal year after and year decade, that, and, decade and i think that's why you see so many of the guys are so appreciative you know i i see other movie stars sports stars at these autograph session comic cons and they're like uh, hello who's this for where the wrestlers are like, hey, how you doing? How you know, l- little interaction with the people coming through, and I think wrestlers always, t- in general, not everybody, of course, but in general, are a little more appreciative to the fans because I mean they're the ones that uh, made our whole livelihood possible. Yeah, and I know Jim, you've never forgotten that. I keep I keep getting emails. Oh, yeah. and I so have a good time with it. I, I, yeah. I can't do it every week telling these stories, but I I save them, and uh, they talk about you know how you took time out and, you know, signed a picture for him and came back out with three more. And, you know, and, and that's because you, you, you realize that you wouldn't have a career without them. You wouldn't, it wouldn't sure. have happened. And it makes the autograph session goes quicker too. You know, you have a little interaction, have fun, have a few laughs or you sit there like a big shot to Bob. So-and-so but right. anyway, we're off track again, Mooney. Imagine uh, that. Hey, that's what we do here. And I love it. Okay, I know you're going to love talking about this one. Sid Justice, Sid, uh, Psycho Sid, Sid Vicious, what Sidney Raymond Udy. Right? Physical specimen, big Sid, what, 6'8", maybe, you yeah. know, 310, 320, ripped up. I mean, he had abs, shoulders. I mean, Sid was a monster. And, you know, a handsome guy, you know, a lot of white straight teeth, blonde hair, rugged uh, gothic-type looks. But... uh you know, didn't work, but he yeah. had a good run, you know, but you know, what's, you know, what Sid's big, uh, thing he said loved more than anything softball. Yeah. Sid I was going to bring that softball. up. Softball. He loves softball. I mean, he'd do competitive softball, travel around the country and he would miss shows to do softball, uh, games. Oh, that, yeah. And that, I've heard that more than once and I, and that he actually, he, he would, States that states that was, play softball. I mean, you know, when the guy that, and of course, he whenever he'd come back, you know, he'd be main event because there's a guy that if he wanted it, if he had the drive, the desire, some of these guys I see on the indie shows that are so hungry just for a, a crumb of a break, where Sid they would give break after break, time and time again, they'd give him the ball, run with it, told go, you're going to be the star. He's like, ah, great, great, great. Uh, 
Got a softball game. See you later. Boom. Yeah. And you've, you've, you've brought that up before too, that there are uh, different people that, um, you know, that not saying they, they don't, uh, you know, uh, like okay. wrestling. It, it wasn't that, but it wasn't, you know, the difference between the ones who, you know, it is their passion. It, sure. it, they, they love everything about the business and the guys that are, you know, it's, this is a chance to make some good money. Uh, you know, I still get to be athletic. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, a lot of guys are looking to make the move over to Hollywood, you know, after the rock, of course, you know, and now Batista made the move. So yeah, a lot of guys looking for that, that type role. And, and, and of course, Sid, probably the, one of the most viewed vicious injuries in all of wrestling. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. And I was going to talk about even, some of those. Uh, even, they watched that. I mean, it was brutal coming off the rope and breaking his leg like that. Yeah. They, they talk yeah, that he broke it, his leg in half. He broke, <sighs> he broke the tibia and the fibula. Those are two bones <laughs> in your leg that and, and he had a compound fracture. You know, you, you know what a compound fracture is, folks. And Sticking out and juices squirting yeah. everywhere. Oh, right? Yeah, yeah, that's. Uh, and I mean, unbelievable. Of course, you got three hundred and twenty pounds landing. You know, coming off what you know, f- feet up in the air, landing down on one leg. It's amazing. Yeah, well, more guys, you know, more guys don't have career-ending injuries. Yeah, no kidding. And that was, uh, I think that was a little later in his career, but uh, he ended up suing the WCW over that, uh, saying that he, you know, they made him do a, a move that he was a lot of people doing. sued the WCW. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, that was good. And they, they were settling out of court. It was like, here's money, everybody. I think everybody was in line, except Duggan. <laughs> <laughs> you did okay, Jim. I did. I know right. you have feelings. I, I ain't too. complaining. No, I, I know. You have feelings too. But you know, you, that was a you, shot, Moody. <laughs> that's a T-shirt. I've got bigger that's feelings. what that is. That's a T-shirt. <laughs> I'm gonna find one. We're gonna find like a great picture of you with that that puppy dog face. It's, it's I, I have feelings too. I'd like to see so, that picture. That's coming. <laughs> uh, but you look at you know uh, uh, Sid's career, and they gave you talk about every opportunity, Jim. How wouldn't you have liked to had a few of these opportunities that they handed to him? I mean, he was. Uh, uh, have, he won the WWF championship twice. Uh, he, I don't know how many opportunities he had, the different feuds that he had. I mean, he was with the WWF from 1991 to 92 and then came back in 95 and 96, uh, really for, you know, uh, but you look yeah. at, they, they, they wanted to put it, they wanted him to be over. Well, he, no could, he should come and go whenever he wanted. I mean, they'd put up with him missing shows to go play softball. They were, so, you know, is, very forgiving I, of. I wanted to ask you because you spent a lot of time in the WCW, and uh, I think the question is: did, did you have to bring more to the WWF? Now, because you mentioned like Sid was, you look at him, man, he had it all. I mean, as far as the look, uh, you know, the you know the uh, a natural like heel. I mean, come on, how he had. And and then the WCW, you got I, I did, did you you were you got away with that. But I saw other guys that came up there when they who couldn't cut a promo, who couldn't really s- sell that whatever that storyline was. I, I I'm wondering. I think that that's part of it. You had to bring more to the WWF. Yeah, without WWF was the big leagues, brother. I mean, that's New York, and you make it there, you can make it anywhere. And, 
So you, yeah, you, you go up there. Like I said, I, I came up and I thought I was over strong as could be down in mid South, you know, UWF. And I came up there and I went out, I had the place rocking. I came back to the dressing room and behind the curtain going, ah, that was pretty darn good. Hogan went out to the place with, <laughs> I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's different. <laughs> oh, that's what, that's what it sounds like. Kel <laughs> <laughs> feeling good. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, I thought I was doing pretty good. Oops. <laughs> little strut, little swagger, <laughs> little swagger in your strut. Boom. Oh, who's that? Yeah. Went back, yeah. got my bag, and got the hell out of there. <laughs> so, uh, uh, really, I, and I—I'd like to hear what people think about this too, because you know I remember being in these interview rooms, and uh, Sid had had—it was tough for him to cut, you know, those kind of promos, and especially yeah. the well, stuff. He—he he tried, you know, he, he would try to memorize stuff, and you know, instead of just rolling. Yeah, and and I think that you, I guess you could call it overpush. Uh, you know, where you try too hard or they try too hard. No, I, people, I, I, I people, think people see right yeah. through it. I think it was all Sid. I think if, if, if he was in a hundred percent, he would be up there with Hogan and Warrior and Macho and that group. I mean, cause he had uh, everything. I mean, you talk about Luger being the total package, like, uh, you know, big Sid, he, he was it. And, and he would have been their marquee guy if he played ball, <laughs> not softball, but just played ball with them. Yeah. And uh, he, there, he, yeah, he, he he was in control of how big of a star Sid would have become. I don't think uh, WWE. I think they would have gave him a hundred percent backing the whole way if he wanted to go for it. Yeah, uh, we we saw more than one example uh, like that. You know, and, and so there's there, there's you know, which is cool. I can understand. There's you know, there's, there's more to life than wrestling because back then it, it wasn't just a job; it was a lifestyle. You were on the road all the time, all your holidays, all your birthdays. You're away from your family. So that that's a big commitment, and you know, a lot of people look at Sid and say, "Hey, good for you!" You know, you you, you thumbed your nose at the money and and did your own deal, right? Oh, and, and uh, you mentioned that too. That that certainly could be thrown in there as well. The what it took to be a part of the WWF that they didn't went you know down in the WCW that uh, territory was a you know a limited area. When you did travel, it wasn't the oh, it was unbelievable schedule of the WWF. Uh, right. Even in the early days, right. Oh, it was extremely a had... yeah, WCW was so easy. You just go, you do a lot of stuff in Atlanta, you know, somebody just, we, most of us lived in either Tampa or Orlando. Boom. You, you know, an hour flight to Atlanta, you go up in the morning, fly home at night. It was just a long commute. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then, and then, okay, let's give them a little example of what life in the WWF was like. Give me, give me a, a, a typical week. Uh, oh, geez. I, I wish they gave me a little heads up. I found some of my old booking sheets and, uh, yeah, uh, I could, but uh, you know, just kind of an overview of, of what, oh, you did. well, you know, say you had like a, a three day weekend. So you, you do a matinee show Saturday afternoon in Washington, DC, do a show in Baltimore Saturday night, do like Hartford, Connecticut, uh, or uh, uh, Friday night, uh, Hartford, Saturday, Madison square garden, Saturday night, uh, Portland Sunday, Bangor Sunday night. You do six shows in three days. You, I, I went fifty-four days straight without a day off, just going to different. And, and I wasn't, you know, Jake uh, and Pipe, uh, they were up over a hundred days. Of Jeez. course, back then, 
If you weren't working, you weren't making money, though. If you, you know, right, it's not like you had, you had a contract. Your income was based on the, the house. How often you worked, yeah, yeah. And, and where you were on the card. So that's my longest run is with, I was working with Andre. And if, if Andre wanted to work, it was my pleasure to get in the ring with him because nine out of ten times, if you're with Andre, your main event, and that's where the bread's at. But your your intestinal fortitude was a big part of your performance. Oh, you had to a, be able to, to get it done. And this is this is maybe part of this. Uh, this is another thing you bring into this, is that you know you're, you're talking about all those days on the road, and then you have to show up to TV, and you've got to be on. You've got to be, nail those interviews. You got to the storyline because this is they're they're taping it for TV, and you can't be tired. You can't show up out there and not be ready to go. And a lot of guys, yeah, just the the, uh, the lifestyle. Uh, Ted, uh, Ted, my good friend DiBiase, his boy, Ted Jr., you know, he who could have been a huge star in the WWE. He was in the Marine movie, and they were pushing him strong, but he just didn't want that kind of lifestyle. You know, he's a Christian, and he just didn't want that the lifestyle that tends to you live in wrestling. Goes with it. Yeah. Wow. So uh, as we get back on the tracks here, not a chance. <laughs> no, but, but Sid was a huge deal. He was a huge superstar in the NWA, uh, the WCW. Uh, you know, he was a member of Ric Flair's Four Horsemen. That he was, he was the elite, and uh, it just never worked really in the WWF. And they tried very hard to make that happen. I would, I saw it. Um, you can also, I guess, you can attribute to some of his injuries. I mean, not just that one you talked about, uh, which would. Uh, didn't happen in the WWF, yeah. but he had, you know, he had uh, constant neck issues. I remember that. Uh, he had well, one, one of his, he broke a rib and punctured his lung. Uh, he tore his biceps a few times. I remember that. Um, so just uh, another day at the office. Sounds like a wrestling yeah. Uh, yeah, resume. <laughs> Are you kidding? Yeah. <laughs> but he, there, you know, there's another one folks really, uh, Give us your take but, on, on Sid. Why? Sid, yeah, I, I think you got to put that whole decision on Sid. He could have been as big a star as he wanted to be, yeah. by my opinion. Okay, and uh, we, we're, we're moving to our last two. We could probably we could go on. Uh, you know, the list. Imagine long. that. <laughs> we're, I'm sure we're going to be hearing more from uh, our listeners and some people. That Here's Sid they now. Think <laughs> yeah, and we'll bring. <laughs> he's, oh, he's, oh, looking, hey, yes, he's looking for Mooney. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Remember that broken leg I had? Let me show you how it happened with your leg. But uh, Goldberg was uh, another one who was, uh, you know, William Scott Goldberg, who was, uh, you know, a, a football player and a mixed martial arts, uh, knew, uh, you know. Yeah, I get along good with Bill. He's, he's a good, you know, ex-jocks, ex-football players. You know, we kind of got a little bonding you know, like bodybuilders have their own deal. You know, football players. We kind of so I knew Bill down there at WCW, and and what he a great big. gimmick. I mean, what a talk about a push. I mean, he's the one percent of the guys that come right in and get the push right to the top right off the bat. I mean, yeah, that never happens. I mean, he's, yeah, it wasn't long that he was in that position. That from the time he stepped in the ring for the first time, really. I mean, he. Yeah. he was a, a huge uh, gas. Yeah. And of course, I mean, he was an imposing looking guy. I mean, he was scary, yeah. looking, you know, coming out through the smoke and all that and the fire and, and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, he definitely looked apart. Well, it was also the peak. If you remember, you know, the Monday night wars were going on and he was a, you know, a big part of that, uh, with the WCW, 
uh, between 97 and, and 2001. Um, and uh, he had undefeated streaks. Remember, that was like a big Yeah, that game. was huge. That was a bad mistake to get beat him. They should have kept that streak going. But, uh, yeah, I, I thought he had a great run. And, uh, you know, he, but there's a guy, like you said, he never really, he never meshed up in WW. And why? <laughs> Again, I ask. No, you know, yeah, who knows uh, on that one? I, I wonder if, you know, I, I bet that was more an office type deal because, you know, Bill's a wealthy guy, lives out in California and does all those other TV shows. You yeah. know, he's he's a little more financially independent than most of the guys Vince deals with. And so I think that, you know, Bill might not have been like, yes, I'll do that. Yes, I'll do this. Yes, I'll do that. Bill was like, well, maybe, no. Everybody else is like, yes, I will. Yes, I will. Yes, I will. You know, so I think Bill might have just been hard to do business with. Uh, but do I, you I think know that now, for if, sure. If, okay. And, and with that in mind, though, I mean, uh, if let's say he, he wasn't in that position, uh, I, I think he had all the tools. He had a, you know, kind of a, a uh, Stone Cold kind of uh, demeanor uh, persona, I think that. Yeah, but Stone know, Cold already know. had squeezed that rag pretty dry, you know. I mean that. Yeah. Kind of, I mean, if, if Austin came back and you know, just to throw this in, Mooney, I beat Stunning Steve Austin so bad he had to shave his head and change his name to Stone Cold. But that's another story. Oh, you know, hey, hey you know, and and uh, Jim, that's a, that's another podcast to talk about these guys that were just nobodies really until they got to the WWF, right. uh, you know, right. Yeah, uh, stunning. Yeah. Like you said, yeah. And, uh, credit to the WWF or credit them because th- that was their stage. It, it was just right. waiting for them. Yep. And he was certainly one of those people. The You're rock the track Mooney, get back on there. Okay. Okay. But you know, but that's, that's it. Right. That's, I mean, another, that's, that's another show, right? Next another week. Podcast. Yeah. Let's we'll see what the fans think. Absolutely. We'll see what the they fan. Think. <laughs> okay, but yeah, but Goldberg is certainly in that in that uh, that group of uh, you know who guy that really... didn't really uh, blossom up in W. But he had such a successful career going on the side there. It's kind of like uh, Brock Lesnar, you know. He Brock pretty much comes and goes as he wants, does what he wants to do. Yeah. Oh yeah, and, and Goldberg, he's done. He's been you know hosted all these shows now. He's been in you know a bunch of different movies. Auto, auto, yeah, yeah. So he's done okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Bill's done it. Of course, you know, like Bill, I think he, you know, came out of uh, the University of Georgia from a well-known, well-respected family. He, he was a stand-up guy. He still is, yeah. I'm sure. You yeah. know, and he was one of the highest contracted uh, people ever with uh, WCW. I think he was making uh, two and a half million dollars a year there. That uh, makes me feel real good, Mooney. Thanks, buddy. Oh, were a- <laughs> I did, I did some jobs for him. He, he beat the blood out of me there one time. Yeah. But I think that he was even uh, could have made even more with the contract. But uh, I guess he wanted. He was to... good he, at, at that time. He was right what they needed. To, you know, that fit the niche. There's an example: right place, right time, right gimmick. Boom! He's a superstar. Yeah. And it went okay. And now we get to our our final one. I and I did it this way because I think that this to me is one of the uh, greatest question marks, or maybe not to some people. Lex Luger. Uh, wow. Um, we, you know, 
Talk first of all, how big was he down south? How big was he with the WCW Lex, Yeah, uh, Lex was very. I never really got along with Lex, so I got to tell you, you know, we we were always congenial to each other. We were always friendly, but we never really hung around together. You know, he was one of those body guys, which are all kind of different kind of guys. You know, <laughs> Eat, eating grapes and raisins and twigs. You know, but anyway, uh, uh, yeah, he had a great run down there at. Uh, WCW, I mean, and, and the, the fans loved him. And, of course, working him and uh, um, Stinger are big buddies to this day. They're good friends. And, of course, Lex is not doing too well now. God bless him. Yeah, I saw him at a, you know, I don't do too many uh, shows, appearances. You know, because Jim, I just turn, I, I, you know, I, I'm very selective. I, I don't do many appearances. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take anything. <laughs> Call me. Here's my number. At <laughs> That's no, what I think. We're, we're Goldberg's like, no, we're going, yes, yes, yes. Go, ah, <laughs> yeah, we'll do it. We'll do yeah, it. Okay. Yeah, Mooney will do it. Mooney yeah, who? But, yeah, but he was at, he was at the, uh, the, the show. I was at Back East, and he was in a wheelchair. Yeah, he's in a wheelchair and, now. Uh, yeah. yeah, and he's, uh, well, I, I'm, a lot of people know his stories. He's found well, you know, him and, him and Liz, I was a big friend of Liz and I were close because Randy and I were tight, and Deborah and, and Liz were buddies, and uh, so I, I knew Liz, and of course, there at the end, uh, Liz was with uh, Lex when she passed away. Uh, and there's all kinds of things. You know, I, I can't say anything firsthand, but I've heard some bad things about it. So, uh, yeah. you know. Well, there I, was. I, yeah, yeah there was I, I'm not going to. Yeah, I can't talk secondhanded. But, yes, yeah, so supposedly some rough stuff happened between uh, Lex and Liz. And uh, Lex, of course, you know, when I was up there at the WWF and they brought Lex in, you know, for the. I'm I'm got a, a, a American flag taped to a broomstick, you know. They're flying Lex in on the Intrepid in a big hey. helicopter, you know. They you have didn't a get bus. the aircraft carrier, Jim. <laughs> yeah, they got the bus painted up Lex Express, you know. It's me and Jake in a rented uh, Taurus. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it might be writing on the wall for me to hit the road here, you know. You didn't even get the eagle. <laughs> he didn't get the eagle, the cape, the crown, the flag, the board, the thumb, the tongue, the hoe, and the crossed eyes, but no eagle, Heenan. But yeah, so when Lex came, and you know, and there's a guy, I'll, I'll give you my opinion right off the bat on Lex, because, you know, they brought Lex in, they put the, uh, the red, white, and blue on him, they gave him the American flag, they said, okay, you're going to be Mr. USA, that's your deal. That's not Lex. That's, uh, well, that's, it, that's not the man he is. I mean, you know, he's the, the, the perfect package or the ultimate package or the total package or whatever it is. That's more like the USA gimmick. You know, that's Sergeant Slaughter. That's Hulk Hogan. That's Hacksaw Jim Duggan. You know, that's uh, Lex. And I think the folks saw that it wasn't really genuine when he was out there chanting USA. It, at least to me, it didn't seem like it was coming from the heart. Yeah. Well, no, no, I, you're not the first person that uh, has said that. And, um, what, you know, one thing I didn't realize either is that, do you know that it, he was with the WBF, which I want to do a podcast on. Actually, have I ever said that before? <laughs> yeah. But he was with the 92. It is, that's the deal. No, I, that's true. <laughs> we, we're going to, we're going to tell him, but, uh, he was with the WBF, uh, as I like was going to be when he was a commentator because, you know, he knew so much about the body and. Then he was in a motorcycle accident, and yeah, after the, and then he when he got better, that's when he came to the WWF, and remember he he came in as the narcissist or narcissist. That was, that's that was, was a narcissist, and then they changed that, it. That, yeah, that was Lex. I mean, that wasn't a stretch for the guy. Yeah, but what I, the reason I don't think that worked is because 
you know, Kurt Hennig had that down. I mean, that was yeah, well, Kurt was you perfect. couldn't compare, and he had the personality for it. Uh, yeah. Lex didn't. He didn't well, have that same. You know, it came off as being those WBF guys. I said the toughest competition in the dressing room is for mirror space. <laughs> <laughs> They're all in there posing. How do I look? Grease yeah. me up, will you? I said, yeah. yeah, I'll grease you up, brother. Yeah. <laughs> But that didn't work. So, and then that to me, that was the reason why he's just we already seen it for, pretty much for the gimmick. And it was Kurt, Kurt Hennig owned that it, it, whether yeah. he was Mr. Perfect anymore or not. He was the he was it. And so uh, that whole thing that where he got the, the giant break because he had several opportunities to do so many different things there. I mean, he, uh, you know, uh, had. He didn't win the title, but he he had so many. I think he was had in matches for every title. Um, but in uh, 1993, after when Hulk left, uh, he was that's they said this is it. He's going to be the next guy. That was you know he was going to be the next guy, and they did that whole thing like you talked about with the, the Intrepid, and it was it was a disaster from the beginning. Uh, you know, it was it was a, a zillion degrees that day in New York, a rare <laughs> day in New York. And uh, that was a bad start anyway. People were cranky to be there in the first place. They didn't, you know. And then oh, that, that uh, was just Lex. Yokozuna, remember he was going to. Uh, no, I wasn't invited, Sean. I wasn't yeah. there, Mooney. Uh, well, he was supposed <laughs> Thanks to. Thanks for uh, bringing that up, too. <laughs> <laughs> you were doing other things. You were making yeah. a lot of. That was else. Yeah, talking to yeah. moving to Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, exactly. To, to to you and the Brinks truck, you just backed it in. Oh yeah, I wish after he told me what Goldberg made. <laughs> I've 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 shattered so many yeah. so many dreams here in this show for you, Tim. I'm sorry. The but, guy uh, up the ring made more than I did down. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a disaster. I remember that 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 was just terrible. And uh, one of the stories was that. Um, Yokozuna goes in, and I remember saying how hot the mats were, and he was barefoot. <laughs> and he was like tap dancing. It was so hot. And, they, you know, but he had they to stay. Joke was moving. He was on his toes. Yeah, <laughs> he for, moves well for a big man. <laughs> so anyway, wait, he, he, uh, he, he takes care of Yokozuna, and that was going to be the big thing. And then they did this. Remember, they did the whole, they did a big tour. No, I don't remember none of this, Mooney. I was really ticked off about the whole deal. Tell you the truth. I was hot. Oh, because now we. Yes, okay, I thought that was my spot. So, uh, lay out on the couch here, and I'll be, uh, you know, doctor. <laughs> yeah. uh, Ever since Jim. I was a youngster, I depended on the kindness of strangers. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get your true feelings. I mean, let's go ahead and come out with it. What, how did you feel about this Lex Luger? It visual? pissed me off more than I can say. <laughs> oh! It's because I know you have feelings too. And, uh, Okay, but it didn't work. So uh, you had to be, you were probably happy about that. When it, it died, it, yes. I, only one guy I was, I was ex- extremely happy. I'm still kind of gloating now, tell you the truth, brother. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Went full circle. Yeah, well, I'll tell you. Uh, but I thought that, yeah. that's always, that's what people say. Why, why are your longevity hacks? I was saying earlier, you got 10 year, nice way to say I'm an old timer, Mooney. But I've been around a long time, and people are like what you know attribute your success to. I think I, th- I think it's genuine. I think when I'm in the ring and I'm at the uh, autograph table, people see hacksaw as Jim Duggan. It's not a I'm not putting on airs. Yeah, and I and I and I think that's true. With that, people knew that 
You know, you can't, that's what the, the, you, they can come up with all these gimmicks, sell whatever they want, try to get the guy to say, but the, these people, they, they, they see right through it. It's gotta be there. And they get, uh, they get hot when they try to push somebody too hard. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't want to bust Roman's chops, but I hear his name a lot that they're pushing him too hard. Uh, who was the guy back that had the, uh, um, Glacier and WCW had that real expensive entry with the bubbles and the lasers and everything. They tried to push him. They were pushing him down the folks' throat. I mean, it didn't work. Some folks said they did that with DDP. They just pushed him so hard, you know? Well, and I think there's really something to that because, you know, you, you, regardless of, uh, you know, like, did you ever question a, a second that Hulk Hogan didn't didn't live, dream, and, and wasn't that character? Yeah, say his vitamins that, take. Yeah, yeah. That no, really, never, yeah. never. And, and that I tell you, I get along with Hulkster. He's not a bad guy, and that's you know kind of the way he was. We we all partied pretty good, but he was a, a pretty uh, good-hearted man. Yeah, and he he lived that. I mean, uh, and people, I think that those are the you know the most successful uh, yeah. superstars. That, that, that's to say, you know, you know which go the down best, the list. What's the best gimmick? I said the guys who has the best gimmick is just an extension of their own personality. Yeah, yeah, you know, macho Man was Macho Man, you know. Oh yeah. You know Hogan's Hogan, Hacksaw's you know me. Flair is Ric Flair. He's a nature boy. I mean, the best gimmicks are just part of who you are. That's yeah. why you know there's no way I was going to be handsome Jimmy Duggan. That that wasn't going to work. <laughs> yeah. and, and so I and and uh, you could have said it might have worked, Sean. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll take that as a shot. <laughs> I'm marking it down as a one for you. <laughs> but I, I, I think as we wrap that up with uh, with Lex, is that I don't think people believed him. No, I, I don't, I, I don't that, either. I think and, they bought it. That's what that's of course, what it was. Like I said, a different way to judge success in our business. You know, we're not all the lead singer in the band. You know, where some of us are backup singers, some are drummers, some are guitar. But you don't have to be the lead singer to be successful in our business. You know, I said I've been happily playing the drums for Hogan for years, <laughs> backstage, but doing my part. And as long as you're on the stage, you're happy. That's what I'm that's awesome. yeah, As long as you're on the stage, exactly, buddy. Okay. Um, we have a a, a few a Twitter. Uh, input here because I did get this out. I told Mr. him we were doing some early prep on this show. Yeah, and I don't know if I agree with this one, but uh, Larry uh, Helferich, the great Lawi uh, at the great Lawi says, "I feel that the WWF, WWE didn't use Ricky the Dragon Steamboat as well as they could have." What's your take, tough guy? Oh, that's exactly what he put on there. <laughs> well, you know, Dragon again. I mean, there's only room for so many, you know, top guys, and Hogan pretty much had that whole spot locked up while the rest of us were up there. But Ricky, you know, they always kept yeah, him thought, strong. He was like, what? I'm sure you, you know his title run better than I am. I'm sure he was at least intercontinental champion, right? I'm, yeah, and he was, yeah. And he, what a great but, technical uh, wrestler. That's why I said, I, I think, yeah, and like you said, you can't measure it with, uh, you know, titles and whatever. But uh, Ricky, I thought, you know, he had a, he had a great run. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And you of know, course, he he would put on clinics. Him and Flair and and him and guys like that. You know, the technical wrestlers. I mean, they they were fun to watch because they put on clinics on how, on how to wrestle. You know, that's my old deal. Yeah. People like hacksaw. What's your favorite move? I said, I, I kick and punch. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> and I got that down. <laughs> I'm a brawler, brother. <laughs> yeah. But I would put, I think, you know, Ricky, uh, you know, like a, a Tito Santana 
know, those they were, you know, the word yeah, like it's solid, you know, they were just solid one. performers. Now, there's and a they, guy that's successful, you know, speaking of guys that they pushed hard and then, you know, there's Tito, the guy that had, had his spot, took advantage of it his whole career, made a yeah. great living, successful yeah. in our business. Yeah. Uh, Jason Bayless, uh, also he, he said, Rick rude. I always felt they missed the boat big time by not having him beat warrior in the 1990 in 1990 for the WWF title. The guy had it all. That um, would have been a good one. I, I you know, I, I didn't really get along with Rick, but I have to agree with, uh, with the guy there. I mean, uh, it, I think it would have been a little curveball for him to beat the warrior and, you know, rude could carry the ball. He was, he was good. Is he another one of those, Jim, you would say that, you know, didn't need the titles. He was one of those guys that, uh, you know, I mean, cause he was at the top for a long time. Long time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I you know because yeah he had much much more. They didn't want the title belt around Rude because it covers his abs. <laughs> I mean the guy looks so good. They they all well, those paintings on his on his they, tights uh, too. <laughs> they have Cheryl's picture on his <laughs> tights and stuff. He'd kiss the girls every night. I mean yeah. you know women loved him. You know, Shut uh, your trap. I'm gonna guys gonna guys hated that. him. Women loved oh, him. Oh yeah, I mean, that's exactly what he wanted to do. And then uh, Frazier. Fraggle 1888, uh, at Fraggle 1888, said, Adam Bomb. Adam Bomb. Great gimmick. There's a good Great one. look. Huge guy. Was he just useless? Question mark, question mark. Nope, Brian nope. Emmett Clark. Just, I, he's a guy, I, again, had the, like you said, he was a big, imposing-looking guy, had a lot of talent, but he just never clicked. Him and Crush also, they I think they tried to put him together with uh, Brian Adams. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they, they put those guys together and just neither one of them really blossomed. They just kind of, you know, they had a nice little, kind of like Warlord, you know, it was a good little deal, but it just never took off. And yeah, 1995 yeah. and then he was gone, but they yeah. remember they, he got a good push. I mean, the whole thing, remember he had the green yeah, contact, yeah. They, they tried to do like the nuclear thing and, uh, you know. Yeah, but. McMahon will give you a shot. That's for sure, man. And if you know the when uh, Kenny Dykes from the young guy that was with the Spirit Squad, they tried to push him real hard. You know, they stuck him with Flair for a while, and when the Spirit Squad broke up, but uh, he kind of stumbled and he's gone now. So I mean, they give guys opportunities, and it's it's the big leagues. If 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 you don't carry out the ball, there's a flushing sound, and oops, I'm on the outside. <laughs> yeah, and you. Uh... You saw that happen a lot along the way. Jim. Hey, that was a shot, Mooney. No, uh, and, but I was going to follow up. And <laughs> say, as I mentioned before, you had an incredible career. I think if you uh, you look at it, um, and how much time you spent, you you're a lifer, uh, really, with the WWF, WWF, WWE. Really, WWF. I wrestled Dusty, DiBiase, and Orton. In WWE, I wrestled Dusty Skid, DiBiase Skid, and Horton Skid. I said, first I beat up the old man, then I beat up the kid. Ho! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, un- an unbelievable career. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of these guys we talked about just never were able to reach those heights. And uh, as I mentioned, hey, folks, I mean, we want to hear from you. Yeah, myself, I, you know, a lot of folks say, well, you know, you were never a champion, Hacksaw. You were never this, you were never that. You know, I mean... There's, like I said, there's, when there's, most of us were up there, there was the one main champion that was Hulk Hogan and we all were kind of backup singers to him. And, uh, you know, so like I said, there's different ways to judge success and how big of a push you get with a company. Yeah. And I keep uh, telling you folks, we're going to have that, uh, the 
chic episode coming up. Uh, yeah, up again, Mooney, I won't be able to but, sleep. You said like three no. weeks. No, I'm going to be like three weeks. When's he going to bring it up again? When's he going to bring it up again? Two weeks, the week after and the week after. Uh, but Jim, you know, and this is, and I've thought about different things I've done along the way as well uh, in, in broadcasting. You think that, you know, if, if that may not have happened, you might've gotten this giant push. You may have reached that and then plummeted. You, you don't know. And you could have been out. It's not, it's not the worst you know thing I mean? that's ever happened to me in my life. So, I mean, uh, it was a hard, hard lesson. And again, Mooney, thanks. For, we've got three weeks to dwell on it now. Oh yeah. And then we're really going to double down. We're going, we're going in. Worst thing about so. it. People think me and Ashik are friends. I like, I just gave him a ride that one day. And now we're married in infamy life. Yes, you are. And uh, we will be talking about that. Thanks. Don't try to it. make me feel any better. You know. Like, <laughs> yes, you are, Duggan. You're scarred forever. <laughs> One that day in infamy. Yeah, I think it's like oh, it'll be okay, hacksaw. When he's like, "You're right, Duggan." I just, but look, you know, you never look how great life. it turned out, right? Yeah, you got okay. a big S on my forehead for speak. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that is coming, but not today. Okay, uh, folks. Once again, I want to. Uh, we would love to hear your comments. I want to. I really want to hear Both. the feedback on this because I know there's other. <laughs> Some of them we don't want to hear. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, we want them all. Bring them. All right. Because okay. I, I think there's probably going to be some names that we didn't mention. I think people are going to have maybe completely different theories on what we discussed here today. So uh, we'd love to hear from you. Email us uh, at uh, primetime at mlw.com. Primetime at mlw.com. And then once again, get your uh, primetime with Hacksaw and Jim Duggan and uh, Sean Mooney Tees. Uh, remember, as I said at the top of the program here, that uh, the person who purchases the 25th tee, uh, starting right now, uh, I hope you've already uh, ordered a few, uh, is going to receive my very own, my personal copy of the brand new, unreleased, never-before-seen matches uh, on DVD, eight and a half hours. I haven't, this has still got the plastic on it, folks, and I will, uh, the 25th <laughs> person will not only get a great t-shirt, we got five great ones up, just go to ProWrestlingTees.com and search Prime Time with Hacksaw Jim Duggan and Sean Mooney. To see all those great designs, but the 25th person who buys a T-shirt is going to get uh, this DVD. I will send it to you. I will sign it and uh, send it out to you. We're hoping to get some other ones. I've asked the WWE to send us a bunch, and we will give them away. A lot more stuff coming up. And uh, Twitter, at Official Hacksaw, and at Sean Mooney Who. We also have at Primetime MLW. There's no way you could miss us. And... Uh, Spread the word, folks. We uh, hope you like what you're hearing. If you do, you can uh, subscribe at iTunes or whatever your platform is. Uh, subscribe, and if you like what you hear, give us a review and a rating. All right, Jim, tell us once again, where can folks catch you in person? Well, I'm going to be up in uh, Manchester, New Hampshire at the Comic-Con up there in Manchester coming up. That's going to be it's a little bit of a smaller one, but of course, they're always a lot of fun, big or small. Uh, yeah, Manchester coming up, and then I'm off until I go up to uh, Hamilton, Ontario at the end of September for the Hamilton Comic Con. And you know what happened up in Hamilton, Sean? Uh, no, go ahead. I think that's where Hacksaw Duggan won the first ever Royal Rumble, tough guy. Ho! Right. <laughs> All right, folks, thanks for joining us once again. I uh, really enjoyed Jim talking about this because I think, uh, you know, the, these are guys that were. Uh, unbelievable stars in the world of wrestling and for whatever reason uh, we're not able to shine as brightly in the WWF alright thanks for joining us I'll see you next week Hacksaw take us home
Well, Sean, always good to talk to you, buddy. Glad to have you back back from Texas and uh, all the bad stuff that's going on. And, of course, until I talk to you again, Mooney, this hoes for you. And it's not a shot, tough guy. Ho! Oh!